Hi, everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of Kaiju FM's new show, Of Dice and Robs. Um, It is a show based around the element of chance and the fine art of conversation and those strange little random factors that make conversation just so interesting. Uh, I'm Rob Wickings. I am uh, one of the two Robs in Of Dice and Rob. Um, Allow me to introduce the other Rob. Yes, I am Rob Maythorn, or Rob Kaiju, as I am known online. I am the other Rob in Of Dice and Robs, and uh, this is my network, and this is one of our shows. Stuff. The idea, and I'm I'm sure that Rob will explain more in depth, is very chance-based, very luck-based, I'm a bit out of my depth here because I'm very normally very organised and prepped for my shows, <laughs> um, and this is very much a, a, a literal roll of the dice, and uh, I'm terrified and excited in equal parts. Marvelous. The idea was quite because Rob is such an organised person and he does his homework and he's always very straight up with the way he does his shows. This is this this is a way of pushing him out of his comfort zone a little bit and trying something that is a little bit more improv and there's an element of a gamification in here as well hence, hence the dice element obviously uh, rob is rob is battering away on his dice as we speak i just thought it would be interesting to try this 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 slightly more improvisational slightly more gamed version of of a podcast um i guess because because rob rob is a big gamer anyway it's you know it, it's worth pushing his game mastery skills to the absolute max and see where we go from there i guess yes yeah so the the basic principle uh, i've got some dice here we're gonna roll them and from that we're gonna pick up a topic and uh go from there absolutely now the the, uh, the notion of the topics i've come up with a list of 25 topics so what rob's holding is a d20, a 20-sided dice, and uh, a d6, which is a six-sided dice. So he'll roll once. If the dice happens to land on a 20, then he'll roll again with the d6, um, which will give us a number, obviously, between one and six. Um, If that roll is between one and five, then we'll go 21 to 25. If that roll is a six, then we'll stick with... um, Option 20. But yeah, 25 options, basically. Each show will do one. That then gets wiped off the the, uh, the list and replaced with something new. And onwards and upwards we go. So the first episode, we're going to roll now and go from there. Rolling forwards, we're probably going to roll at the end of each show for the next show. So, that, so there will be an element of being able to be slightly more prepared than this one. Though I am ha- I am happy to go with the rolling at the start of each show. I'm happy to do that. Okay. Well, maybe a bit more of a, more of a attention to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy I'm, I'm to do that. Right. Fine. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I, okay. To talk about improvisational. You know, we're we're improving as we go along with the way we're actually going to be rolling the show, as it were. Yeah. yeah. Rolling the show. I like that phrase. Yes. It, it, it makes a uh, apt apt. All right. So I'm, I'm going to roll. Go for it. We have number four. Number four, the the item for discussion is, well, that was scary. Yes, (laughs) scariest. 
So, Rob, what, what's scaring you? What's scaring me? Well, I had um, quite an unnerving experience this morning, actually, where um, I've, I've been driving into work now for the last year and a bit, I suppose. Up, up until that point, I'd always been very much of a um, train-based commuter, which was always very nice. But um, the uh, problematic tendencies of the british rail system and the expense of the british rail system got me to a point where i decided you know what i'm going to start driving into work I, uh, my work is about 20 miles away from um base camp here in sunny caversham which is where i i live and i've been driving in um and this morning i got my first puncture which was never fun slightly slightly unnerving Absolute blowout were you driving? No, no. That that could that would have. I, I doubt I would be here recording. I'd just be so shaken by the whole thing. It was. I was sort of turning a corner and and kind of bumped with slightly more force than I'd normally think, and uh, noticed as 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 I was sort of heading towards work that the car was getting slightly less responsive in its steering. But mm. uh, when you sort of uh, on the M4, you, you kind of think, well, you know, I could sort of try and pull over, but let's try and limp into work. And managed to limp into work, um, parked up, and lo and behold, my uh, rear passenger tyre was completely flat. And, yeah, slightly unnerving experience rather mm. than sort of actively, actively scary, I guess. But it's very... Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's very close to my mind at the moment. And it kind of completely threw me out for the rest of the day really the whole process of getting the replacement tire sorted um mm. just generally just just, just it, it, I, I i hate to say that i'm a creature of habit but i guess i, I guess i clearly am and, and you know it's, it's you know a wednesday morning you kind of think you're driving into work and you think okay i've got this to do today i've got that yeah, to do today yeah. it's going to be very very straightforward and then that one sort of half second impact that one thump and all of a sudden that's your, your whole day just completely flipped sideways i've never had a, a hop happen while i've been driving i have sort of come to my car in the morning and seen a flat tire yeah. and just thought like every plan i have in the morning is just gone now because at the mm. very least i've got to spend half an hour jacking it up and changing the tire yeah um and then we'll get a better tire and it just it just the little things really impact really really impact your day yeah, um, I think that's, yeah, I think that's that's a scary thing as well. The, the 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 fact that a little thing like that can completely throw out not just your schedule, but the way you're feeling about your day as well. I've just mm. been wandering around all day with a knot in my stomach, even after you know I got the the, the emergency tire on, which meant I could get to another tire place, get a proper tire on, so on and so forth. And mm. it's only really been sort of. I guess in the last half hour or so that that knot's actually started un- un- unraveling itself and loosening. So it's kind of scary how easy it is just for your whole day to just knot itself up into this horrible yeah. kind of t- angle of nastiness. Well, this is basically your sort of level of importance. Like, you know, day to day, especially for me, like my car is very low importance in my life. It's a tool right. that gets me from home to work and work to home, you know. And it's, I'm thinking about the jobs to do at work. I've got to thinking about projects I've got to do for Kaiju, thinking about my family, my daughter, my wife. I'm thinking about these <clears> things. <throat> I'm not thinking about the maintenance of my car. And then it's that disruption of, oh, crap, like this, this now jumps to the top of the list. Because yeah, without I, this, 
it, it, yeah, it's, it's the hierarchy of needs. Like, I need my car to work. Mm, and exactly. It, it upends that hierarchy in your mind. And suddenly, like, you're lost. And, like, well, what else is important? Like, I've got to dump something else to get this done. I've got to think about that. And that is, it's the mental energy used in trying to sort of uh, to juggle all of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, the bandwidth mm, of, mm. of your mental capacity for the day, I guess, suddenly just gets completely front-ended by this one minor thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, in the great scheme of things, a flat tyre is nothing. But for it to take over the day like that is is, is really quite unnerving. Yeah, it, it's... it's uh... It really does kind of impact you in that respect. I get that. I get that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, obviously, that's kind of steered away slightly from, from from the subject at hand. But I guess that again, that's that's kind of part part yeah. part of what we're doing here is the fact that we take a subject and then just wander with it. Mm. But um, Rob, okay. So um, when I say to you, "Well, that was scary," what what do you think? Of? Well, oddly enough, I'm actually going to go a completely different tact to you um if anyone yeah. who follows me on twitter knows that i record in my podcast studio which is my garage um i'm also in my garage currently sorting out my large ish collection of vhs tapes some i'm selling Ooh. some i'm getting rid of um but there is a pile in front of me right now on the desk that i've been sorting out and as soon as you said well that was scary my eyes were drawn to one of the tapes. um and right. and it's okay if no one's ever heard of this film. It's totally okay. Um, this is a film called from 1997 called Ravager, starring Bruce Payne and Yancey Butler. Um, I, okay. no, no one's heard of um, it. It's absolutely fine. But I think when I think of scary, like my first thought is movies. Right. So what I'm actually talking about is the scariest experience of my life that I chose to do. Oh, yeah. Go for it. So, um, horror movies, watched them for years. Some scare me, some still do scare me, but on the whole, pretty new to them, kind of, kind of immune to their effects. Um, and I, with Rob, you know, real world things are often far scarier. A couple of years ago, my wife and I, for our friend's anniversary, went to a scare maze. Oh. Which is, I think what we went, we went to see was, I think it was called Dr. Freaky's Halloween Horrors, something like that it was called. I only can't remember. All I remember is driving there, we're driving in the dark down dirt tracks. Um, you know, we turn to this field and suddenly in front of this is like neon circus tent with big Dr. Freaky's Halloween horror, whatever it's called. We park up in the middle of nowhere. I actually don't know where I am, not driving. I'm like, I don't know where I am at all. And you take it inside, you get there, the people run around with chainsaws. A scare maze, for those who don't know what it is, basically is like a, a walk-through horror movie. So rather than sitting and watching a movie, you get walked through and there are actors who act out the parts of, you know, serial killers and psychopaths and all that sort of stuff. And it's all themed, so you walk through. It's not a maze. They call it a scare maze. It's not a maze. You're not getting lost. It's more like a, a guided tour. But you yeah, go yeah, through yeah. these mazes. And I got there and there were four there. Um, first one we did was kind of like hillbilly redneck American themed. So it's all kind of hilted eyes, deliverance, that kind of thing. And it was like, it was fine. Like it wasn't overly scary. It, it, it's a trope I feel has been done to death. Um, and oh, fair enough. Second one was like a German industrial rave gone wrong. Wow. So it's it, amazing. It's all like flashing lights and pumping electro and a load of like people who are like ravers, but have got like a minotaur head. Um, coming out of the mist at you. They go, they go and jump at you. They come out. The walls are all like 
They're either like metal or like, like fencing that you can see through, or they're like cloth that can come through the walls. Of you and that got me a little bit. It got me a little bit. Hmm. Um, third one was like haunted doll, like a doll house gone wrong. Oh, uh, that sounds super. That that one, I'm like, okay, okay, this is getting me. I'm getting me. I'm I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, the, the 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 masculine. Trying to be, you know, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's fine. It's fine. But like, bits of that when you're in the room and there's like, because you know they're coming for you. They know they're going to scare you. And so you turn to this room and like hanging from like 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 marionettes, like puppet strings from the ceiling are two humans, like looking like dog dolls, and they're not moving. And you walk, and the path oh. goes through the room, one each other. And you're like, they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna effing move. They are. They're gonna come for me. They are. And you sort of. Watching them, watching them, watching, and then matter which way you look, it's the other one that's going to go for you first. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's that kind of like, really, really rough kind of movement they get for dolls, and that's a bit creepy. So my wife was like, "You know what? I'm enough. I'm, I'm sitting this one out. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into the fourth one. Um, I'm good." So I'm like, you know what? I've been this way. I'm gonna do the fourth. One. The fourth one is Japanese ghost themed. Oh, the story of this one oh. is a a troop of Japanese schoolgirls got lost in a haunted forest, had all died there, and now haunt this forest. <sighs> Japanese ghosts, the creep. This is hands down the scariest thing in my entire life that I chose to do, and because <laughs> yeah, uh, you're in a little group, you know, you, you, you hand the person in front of you, and then someone leads, and so we're moving around, we're swapping around who goes first, and this one I'm leading. And it's like, you know what, I've seen The Ring, I've seen that kind of thing. This trope is one that does scare me occasionally. Um, and you're taking around, they're coming out of the walls, and they're coming jumping you. And then we kind of turn a corner, and it stops from being these, like tunnels you walk through in these walls to being a forest, to being an actual forest. You know, like the, the mist is so thick, you can see maybe two or three feet. And ahead of the path is a caravan. Okay. Like a small caravan, a small caravan, <laughs> but a caravan nonetheless. You go in one door and you're like, okay, maybe it's about six feet long, this caravan. You're like, okay, okay, it's a caravan. Where the hell can they come from? There's nowhere in here. You know, there's nowhere to hide. Okay, fair enough. We're safe. We step inside it. They jump out the toilet at us. Oh, for fuck's sake. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I get out of there. Okay, back in the forest, back in the forest. And I come, they come to what? It's like a, bit, a river, a fake river, a little bridge over it. And I'm like, okay, 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 fair enough, fair enough. I step onto the bridge, and I step on the bridge, and first of all, someone leaps out of the water and grabs my leg. Oh, my God. And I, and I, I, I catch myself, <laughs> I fear. And in the aftermath of that, ahead of me in the path, screaming, comes another actor, dressed as a Japanese schoolgirl, who screams out, I hear a screaming first before I see it, and then she just appears a foot from me, ends up like four inches from me for about a second, and then runs away again. Oh. And I, I, um, I screamed like a small <laughs> child. <laughs> I have, it was high pitched, it was girly. Oh, oh but I, it was just the, it was the one-two punch of the leg. I'm like, oh my God, I've just got over that scare, and then this happened. Yeah. And oh, it was, Yeah. And I, I look back now, like, I haven't done one since, and I have no real desire to do another one. Been there, done that, so, no need to do it again. Yeah. Like, I love horror movies, I'm going to love horror movies, yeah. but I'm like, you know what, that 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 tacked right into something deep in me. Yeah. And the real worldness, I'm like, you know what, I just, I couldn't handle that much more. <laughs> like, you come out of it, with, like, when it finishes, you have this amazing adrenaline heart. Like, it's an amazing feeling. Um, and, like, I, I left the absolutely buzzing. Let's do this again, let's do it again. And then on the way home, I'm like, 
actually no that was no. really scary and only like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you get that high and that high drops off very very quickly I'd oh imagine. but like genuinely that was that was the scariest like as i say the scariest thing that i've chosen to do myself but that was yeah it was a whole level more than a horror movie or anything like that you know roller coasters that sort of stuff not bother me but this this lives in my memory as just being utterly terrifying in a way that i'm like yeah yeah that sounds dreadful um on sort of on that tip but slightly esoterically um we went to um, uh, me, my wife, and um, her brother, uh, his wife, and there at the four uh, at the time four year old son. We all went to Disneyland for, mm-hmm. uh, in in Florida. And, Disney World, uh, Disney World. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The the original and the best. And i ended up getting ever so slightly freaked out well more than this more than, i basically had a slight um existential crisis over the it's a small world ride my wife hates that ride there is something deeply odd and twisted about that ride um we did it the once i would never go anywhere near it again it was just wrong in all sorts of all sorts of ways. Where's your inner child, um, Rob? Where's your inner child? My inner child was screaming to get me <laughs> out of there all the way through. Um, I, I, I think it's because it's slightly dilapidated for a start. So you've got that kind of um, wonky, wrong, fairground, ridey kind of a thing going on. You've got the, you've got the the animatronic puppets that are, that are really sort of at, at the deepest point of the uncanny valley. So the, the, yeah, they're not moving the way that a living thing would move, and they're not interacting in the way that a living thing would interact. They're just kind of there, and they're moving very strangely. And then you've got the song mm. that just goes all the way through it. It's, it's a small world after all. Yeah, there are, and the confluence of the two. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I was a forty-year-old male at the time <laughs> we, we, we went to it. So it's not like uh, you, you know I'm a kid or anything like that. Like like Rob, a, a you know big horror fan, love my horror movies, but this was just the strangest thing. And everyone else was was perfectly fine with it. Everyone was just like, oh yeah, it's a bit shonky, it's a bit sort of dated, but it's quite jolly, isn't it? And I was just freaking out mm-hmm. more and more the way we, it, there was just something about this ride that just just dug into a part of my soul and would not let go. I had nightmares about the, it's a small world ride the, the night of the, 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 the night we did it. And it was just the weirdest, weirdest thing. I think just because there's just something, yeah, it, it feels like you just end up in this place. That's like three degrees askew from reality, but I could almost sort of see it kind of, going round the final corner and as opposed to it sort of leading you back out into the daylight and the sunshine, it turns the corner and you just go back round and you start all over again. And like the song, because the song is just in a mm, loop. Mm. It's a constant, constant loop. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. And it's just like a stuck record. And I could honestly, before like, like the 10 seconds before we actually came out at the end of that ride. I could just see us turning a corner and we'd just be stuck 
in this weird twilight zoney kind of loop and there'd be no escape uh, and you know uh, and that would be it that would be eternity sat in the it's a small world right yeah, i mean my wife feels almost identical to you on this she, she really really didn't like that right now i'm i'm in a strange place here because i do actually do a podcast about the new world um so i'm a big right. disney nerd um but I, I totally get where we come from because Disney, well, Disney World is particularly is is its weird sort of combination of like cutting edge innovation in lots of its stuff, whilst deeply mm. held nostalgia for other stuff, and deeply yes. held nostalgia for the innovation of yesteryear, I suppose. So there are other things like, like the Carousel of Progress is another ride there, uh, but a really weird thing in which like, the audience move around a bit, basically a play, and it's all done by animatronics. Um, people and yeah you can't change it because the same with small world you can't change a small world really because it's it's what is what it is like, it, it's almost like a it's almost like a you know a cultural landmark it's a small world but the more time that goes on and it the longer it gets separated out from its kind of cultural heritage the creepier and weird it gets but there's, there's no solution to that because if you change it and make it like modern and not so unnerving it stops being the the nostalgia thing that i want it to be and it, 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 the, I, I totally get this yeah. weird sort of line they drew. Like the whole sort of future world element of what Disney World is. It's kind of it's not future world. It's like retro futurism. Well, it's like West World, isn't it? And I suppose you know, again, you've got that kind of weird creepiness going on. It, 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 it just like it's oh oh, it, it just creeps me out just thinking about it. I, it's weird. I haven't thought about. The It's a Small World ride in a very, very long time. And now it's just sort of creeping up on me again. It's the weirdest Essentially, thing. Essentially, this show is therapy. That's what it is now. Yeah. I'm just going to talk through our painful memories. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, talk, I'm talking my way through it, and hopefully it'll come out the other end and, <laughs> and out into the sunshine as opposed to sort of background for another uh, another go round of here. Oh, God. It was, it was parodied in, I think, the first Shrek film. Yes, a great parody of it. They, they arrive in far awayville, far away land, uh, far away land. I think. Was far away land. Yeah, yes. Um, far, far away. Well, anyways, um, and the information booth is all in that style, and it's on the same sort of same sort of key of song, same sort of animation, and like, yeah, it, it, it's they play it for laughs there, but it's only funny because like you know, like it is even someone like me who genuinely loves Walt Disney World, and and I do enjoy that ride. I enjoy it on a level of like this is creepy. I know it's creepy. Um, yeah, it is. It is. I totally get you coming from that one. It is yeah. a slightly unknown. It's like, yeah. like Pirates of Caribbean. Pirates of Caribbean. It's just like at a certain point, like the move because the limited movement and the figurines get aged out. Like it just looks a bit bit creepy now. A lot of it looks creepy now. Yeah, and not like exactly. you know, it's like haunted mansion. It's supposed to be creepy. Like and even like Pirates of Caribbean is meant to be a bit creepy and unnerving. It's a small world it's meant to be this uplifting anthem for peace and unity. And he's just yeah. like, no, it's the Stepford no, Wild. No, it's it's no. pod people is what it is. It's, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's Westworld. It's, it, oh, it's just wrong. It's funny because the, I mean, the Haunted Mansion, I absolutely loved. I had the best time in there. I thought that was brilliant. Mm. But it's a small world. Just, just it's, there's something... It, there is something not of this earth about that, and you kind of, you know, you, you sort of wonder what go, what goes on after hours. And, you know, <laughs> have you, do, 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 have you ever read um, the uh, Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom? 
Um, but yes, I, yes, yeah, Cory Doctor. Yeah, it's a yeah. great. I mean, that, that, that's a, a one I love about about the uh, about the mouse house mouse. Um, it does. I don't think it deals with small world much, but it, it sort of embraces that kind of things here are nostalgic and weird, and yeah, it, it is a, yeah. it is a, a place apart from time. Um, Definitely, there's the, yeah. I mean, something like that's got a real sort of Ray Bradbury feel to it as well. You know, the the, you know, the sense of things that have been around for so long that they kind of take on a little life of their mm-hmm. own above and beyond what the, the original purpose, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's something I think Disney World Land they all have the same issue of that they have to endure what they once were. Um, and trying to push things forward, but you, it's a, that fine line to walk of changing things without changing too much. And I think you, you can always you yeah. see it in in movies as well and other media, like reboots and that stuff. It's that fine line of you got to keep enough to make it recognisable, but change hmm. enough to be worth doing. You know, yeah, the, the, the remake, like the, the the psycho remake, I think from the late nineties, changed nothing. It was a shot for a remake. It was like, well, why, why? And then yeah. the other reboots, yeah. just you know, that. Like, um, I think Total Recall, which I wasn't a huge fan of, um, which they like they changed so much about it. I'm like, well, it's it stops being it just happened. There. Italian job. Have you seen the Italian remake? Um, yes, I have. I actually quite enjoyed it, but I see what you mean. It, it was so different. It was it was it was basically a complete different mm. film, and they just chose to throw some Mini Coopers yeah. in there at some it, point. It, it, if they called it, you know, American Heist. It'd been a brilliant little heist film, yeah. Um, because it bore no yeah. relation to the original yeah. movie. It's like you've got to find, you've got to thread that needle a little bit um, of trying to find how to maintain what you once had and build something new. Yeah, definitely. I could imagine if the, if if Disney announced tomorrow that they were closing and, re- and reformatting It's a Small World, uh, uh, there would be. People like me certainly, which cheering in the and, streets, and, and maybe to, yeah, 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 to actually turn up with, with with the flaming pitchfork, as it were. So yes, I want to make sure this goes into the ground and it doesn't come back. Or, it? But yeah, yeah, but there would be a huge backlash as well. There would be so many people that say, no, this needs to stay exactly mm. as it is. It's it's a perfect thing as it is, and that's fine. It can stay as it is across the Atlantic thousands of miles away from me because i don't want the flipping thing anywhere near me anymore. well i mean it's, it's a part of our, about our whole culture now is that we, we kind of the sort of cycles of nostalgia are getting faster and faster and faster and and you do feel like mm. the culture in some ways is kind of eating itself a little bit and everything's nostalgia and everything's you know throwback fridays and that kind of thing and it's just uh you know we, we hang yeah, on yeah. to uh these cultural icons and that's the really scary thing kids mm. <laughs> Yeah, oh God, yeah, absolutely. We are we are now at the point now where where the fashions and a lot of the music are kind of very similar to what I was going mm-hmm. through when I was a teenager. And Jesus, being a teenager was the most terrifying thing of all, frankly. So to see these cult, the, the, these sort of cultural signifiers mm-hmm. coming back again, all of a sudden people are wearing those weird jeans, and you know, there's lots of neon everywhere, and and. The, the the synth pop is very very similar to the sort of stuff that um, I was listening to back in 1984 1985. It's just like no no God it, it is it, it's like the it's a small yeah. world ride. We, we, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not the future anymore. You sort of turn that corner and all of a sudden yeah, you're back well, where you started like again. Back to the nineties. I'm like I was there in the nineties, but I, oh, God. I was out with my wife and we saw oh, like a bunch of kids in, 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 in like tube tops. 
and boob tubes. And you're like, you know, like those, those oh. went, they went, people. I mean, we killed them with fire. Um, and it's, I mean, but to them, it's, you know, it's, to them, it's my, me and my friends, you know, referencing the 60s or 70s. You know, it isn't a time that's real to the to people. And that, that's fine. Oh, yeah. The old times change. But yeah, the 90s, the seminal time in my life and the fashions, which you look like, oh, we were kids and silly, weren't we? They're coming back. You're like, no one wants spliffy jeans anymore. And no one wants these things. Exactly. My God, it is, it is just the weirdest, weirdest thing. Is it? I'm, I'm sure there was a little spate of... Um, the old global hypercolor t-shirts coming back a couple of years ago. The sort of things that, you know, if you want to show people exactly how much you're sweating at this moment in time, wear these t-shirts because it will show it up for you in, in day glow orange in patches. I had a day glow, a hypercolor jumper. Oh. Um, and I think either my mum tumble dried it or put it on a hot wash <laughs> um, and just killed it. And it, from then on, it was forever the colour that it went when it was hot. Um, and it was just like, oh, oh that's what it is. And I wore it once and, and, and sort of had the effect of it. Um, but, like, inflatable furniture's coming back. That was like a huge part of my teenage years. Like everyone had yeah. inflatable chairs, wanted inflatable chairs. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've drifted far from the topic, um, but I'm going to tell a little story. Um, growing up in the 90s and maybe before, the breakfast was a huge part of that for me. Sure. Um, and I remember a, a competition they ran. I couldn't tell you the year, whatever, but they ran a competition where if you watched the show for like a month or so and spotted certain things, it was like a bingo, like you had to find like a pink toothbrush or a bright orange um, like a mop. If you saw the right things and it had your card to prove it, you could win a exact copy of the Big Brother house. Big Brother, sorry, Big Breakfast house. The big I, do, I do vaguely remember this, I think, yeah. Um, and I was avid in watching this. I, I, was, I, I was like 13, 14. What I do with the house, not a clue. But I was trying to win this this, this exact copy of the Big Breakfast House. And it's been one of those sort of cultural things that just lodges in your brain and stays there. Yeah. Um, fast forward 20 years. I've moved to Telford. Right. Um, I'm living up here and in conversation... With a friend, I'm like, I'm just getting this. I'm like, do you remember this? I remember this. He's like, yeah, the house is around there. And the house is literally like a mile from where I live. No way. Wow. It's, been like, it's been turned into a bunch of flats now, oh. um, rather than the house. Um, yeah. but, but I drove past it, and it is, it is the house. It is the lock keeper's cottage from oh. the big breakfast. From and I'm just breakfast. like, what the, like, I should mention it in passing. He's like, yeah, it's there. And like, he, he's a local. He's like, yeah, I remember it being built. I remember them you know, coming down and it being the big thing in, in Wellington that they had the house. And I was like, that's mad. This thing that I remember, like a brief, you know, like little shard in your brain is still here. It's, 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 it, it's followed me. I followed it. But yeah, it just like, uh, just stuck with me. Bro, for it to be that close to where you're living now, that's just extraordinary. And I remember it? literally it became this obsession for me to watch... This and like you have to like it didn't quite line up with going to school and so I was always late for school for like a month because I always be there like five minutes longer at home to try and watch more of the show. Um, oh, but yeah, that house is round the corner for me. Good lords, that is amazing. Yeah, I uh, yeah I definitely remember the, the big. I, I don't remember it being that that great a show. I mean, was it, that was when Chris Evans first started, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, was and that Gabby kind of... Rosen was it? Yes. Yes, Gabby yeah. Roslin and people like that. And yeah, it was fine for a little bit and then sort of went 
yeah. downhill rather rather it, 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 I, I remember the, the end of it being rather unceremonious. Um, but I think by that age, I think for me, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit I think younger than you. But for me, it was that kind of like early morning. It could be nice cartoons of mother, or it could be this kind of weird anarchic Channel Four show. Um, and mm-hmm. as an early teenager, it was so far out there, like, like you no know, TFI Friday um, with uh, Chris mm-hmm. Evans. Yeah, um, it was that kind of anarchy. Um, mm-hmm. See, for me, the anarchy side of things was being that bit older than than, than you, Rob. Um, I remember that the anarchic Saturday morning TV kids shows like Tis mm. Wars, for example, that really were just complete. You, you, you just barely hanging on to to some sort of semblance of order, but you knew you know, chaos was always around the corner, and it would always end up in a huge either water fight or a pie yeah. fight. Uh, yeah, see that had some quite unnerving things in it as well. The, the, the Phantom Flan Flinger, who was this bloke basically dressed in this all-in-one black spandex costume with with, with a mask on that, that didn't show his face at all, and like this weird kind of semi Stetson hat, and he just show up as if from nowhere, sort of halfway through what, what passed in. Um, his was as a kind of serious interview mm. with a guest and it, with 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 like basically um shaving cream custard pies which he would then commence to to, to violently flan the guest and the presenters and whoever was actually in the firing line at the time and this sort of thing just happened all the time you know you'd be, you'd be in the middle of a, of a sort of a little phone-in section all of a sudden bang there was the phantom flan flick up all in black <laughs> Two fistfuls of, of, of shaving cream pies, and all the, then the buckets of water had come out, and there'd be like hose fights and things like that. It's just like this. How 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 did this get past mm. the commission in Ipswich? Yeah, because it, you know it's 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 one step removed from complete. I, don't know. I mean, I think my my Saturday morning shows were things like live and kicking and that sort of stuff, and they were a little bit more. Yeah cool i suppose and self-aware and cool um and uh yeah, yeah i never only got on well with those because i'm not very cool um but yeah in the 90s are much more of a, <laughs> a sort of posing time but weirdly your story doesn't put me in mind of um yeah to bring it back to topic one of the scarier things that i've watched which is at the same era, and that's the BBC show Ghost Watch. Oh, now see, now we're talking. That is a deeply unnerving piece of. Um, because I, I saw it the first time round. Yeah, same here. And yeah, totally bought into it. I didn't know. Like now, um, spoilers, guys, for Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch going forward here. Um, so if you haven't seen Ghost Watch, literally stop the podcast and go and watch Ghost Watch because you've got to go in cold. You've got to go in. Sort of, it's an amazing show, amazing show. But yeah, spoilers from here on out. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't know the conceit. I didn't know what was going to happen, which I kind of do now. But at the time, just you know, I'll quickly Google when it came out. I can't remember which date it was, but I was I was young. I was young, and it just utterly cor- like filled me with fear. So it was 1992. So I would have been nine. God, nine or ten. I could see why that, uh, how that would twist you right out of shape. Oh, really, and I, I have I have images of just like of seeing the guy and like the light of the fight at the end, and it just like oh, to, to my core, you know. 
it's one of the, one of the most formative sort of TV experiences watching that when I was I was nine or ten. And I don't think my parents knew what it was because they certainly wouldn't let me watch it if they knew, you know. Oh, exactly. I think the whole point was that the BBC were very clever at the time about kind of couching this um, this piece of fiction as as kind of a documentary thing. I mean, mm-hmm. these these days that that sort of thing is is much more common. But at the time, I think Ghostwatch was incredibly innovative in in managing to disguise its the fact that it was made that it was a fictional thing by dressing it up in, and having. Uh, TV presenters of the day, like Michael Parkinson, um, Mike Smith, and um, Sarah Green, um, actually presenting it. Mm. So, so, so having these people that you trust as voices of sanity and reason, who would not lie to you, being part of a fictional thing that was actually designed to scare the bejesus out of you, was was a quite a dirty trick at mm. the time. And B, it's just such a clever way of getting the scares in under your radar. Because when they do, when they do come in, it's 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 full on. It's a full on scary piece of work. Yeah, because they had they had like Craig Charles, Craig Charles, Craig Charles being like the on-site reporter. It was That's right, yeah, from a yeah, dwarf, yeah. and like it was just so well done. And that kind of, I mean, there had already been mockumentaries at the top of all time, but that kind of real world where people played themselves was just. Mm. Is that new to me, and you know, like people you trust him, Parky. Park, it's Parky. Trust him. You know, you trust him to not be up to shenanigans. And this this thing is entirely shenanigans. Totally, um, and it's got such a fearsome reputation that it's not actually been shown from from on the BBC from that day to this. I think you can you can actually get a DVD version of it now, but. Only comparatively recently re-released, I mm. believe. Yeah, because you know, people also it, it, it. I think there was quite a backlash when uh, the day after it was being released because it had that whole kind of War of the World style. It, oh, it's real. Oh, it's not real. You know, ah, you've been hoaxed, and people did genuinely react quite negatively to mm. it because of you know. Letting their kids stay up to watch it, so and and lo and behold, the the, the kids had screaming nightmares yeah. of, of, of for weeks on end. I absolutely, absolutely had those nightmares, and and yeah, I can well, I can well they, believe they, that they made a documentary in two two thousand and twelve. I think they made a sort of behind the scenes documentary about the making of it. Um, but yeah, yes. this and Jurassic Park, which came out the year later, were the two formative experiences of terrifying um, me. I remember seeing Jurassic Park, having to sit in the front row of the cinema, the T-Rex just terrifying me. And those two, Ghost Watch and Jurassic Park, were the staying up at night, I can't sleep, these are in my head moments of me as a child. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's there's a, 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 I think it's Hungarian, it's a short piece of animation um, called Harpy, which is one of those... It's it's one of those those shows that I always recommend to people when they say I want to see something really really scary, and I can't watch it. I you know, I've caught it a couple of times on Channel Four back when Channel Four was doing genuinely innovative short programming, and it is just the creepiest creepiest piece of work. It's it's kind of the animation's kind of 
it's not it's not really properly animated it, it, yeah it's it's um I'm not sure how you'd explain it, but it's basically live action that's been sort of painted over and sort of made to be slightly less. So again, we're sort of back in the uncanny valley where where the characters don't move in a, in, a, in a normal way, and so it's basically the. It starts off with a, a guy sort of walking home late at night after being in a pub, and he he comes across. Um, someone basically trying to kill this this what, what looks like a bird, and he pulls it pulls him away from it. And it turns out the the bird is actually um, it's the bird with the head of a woman, you know, a bald headed woman, really creepy looking right off the bat. But somehow this guy ends up under this harpy spell, um, and toward. Uh, at the end, it kind of flips wrap. But again, we, we sort of seem to be going back into this thing where we've got like this circular thing going on because Harpy basically ends up, it ends as it, as it starts with, with the guy who, who discovers the bird in the first place kind of being the guy that basically tries to yeah. kill the bird at the end. Um but oh my god, it is done in such a scary and intense and just creepy kind of a way, and it it, it, was, it was just one of those things that, again, you know, if you if you're just watching Channel Four late at night and you know, there's a, there's especially if it's like the, oh, there's a program of animation, brilliant, you know, you know, five short films, fantastic, and oh my god, the Harpy just a blew me away, but just completely got in my head and it's still there to this day it is it, it's on youtube um it the the spelling's slightly different it, 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 it's spelled uh, i think it's called I think harp, yeah. for, the, for the show notes h-a-r-p yeah 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 do because I, I if you've not seen it i recommend it but trust me you'll probably only need <laughs> to see it the once because it is just so unnerving but but yeah yeah one of those yeah they're just a deeply, deeply unnerving piece of work. Well, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up for this episode. I think so. Uh, So that was a trip through scariness, unnervingness, children's TV (laughs) and and short (laughs) films about half bird, half human hybrids. So Rob, where can people find you? Um, uh, I I hang around on Twitter most often for the social media. So you can find me as Konohito, C-O-N-O-J-I-T-O. Basecamp for me is a website called excusesandhalftruths.com. That's my um, kind of blog landing page, all sorts of places. Um, Well, just do a search. If you do a a Google search on Konohito, that's such an unusual um, name that, most of most of the, the 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 opening page is actually me, so you know, yay me. For That's the way team. to game the system, isn't it? Have, have an obscure name that uh, only you show up. Absolutely. Or do what I did and make up a surname. Yep, that's the way to do it. Does it? If you want to find me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Rob Kaiju. I am almost overwhelmingly there and nowhere else. Um, obviously, you come to Kaiju.fm to listen to this show and other shows that we do on the network. But yeah, just me, probably. Twitter at Rob Kaiju is the way forwards. And we will be back uh, at some point with another episode, another roll of the dice. Absolutely. Another topic and probably another long winded talk between two old friends about everything and nothing. <laughs>